is according to Callus. This is the After Primary Special, episode 192. So let us talk about what exactly happened. Now, I'm going to tell you, I paid close attention to a few elections and the others. There's just too much going on. Now, I could go to the trouble to look everything up, but what fun would that be? Let's just say I got some of what I wanted and some of what I didn't. But, as we are in politics, we are used to getting 51%. So, let's go forward. So, the important elections the Collin County judge wasn't even close. My man Chris Hill dispatched with the poorly conceived challenger as it was. District clerk, the incumbent suffered a 35% return. Her nearest competitor was at 33%. Safe to say that is the end of her. And I shouldn't uh, necessarily say it in such a way that it's dismissive. We still have the work to do, but that tends to not be a good sign. And speaking of not good signs, when former Congressman Taylor, or soon-to-be former Congressman Taylor's early voting results were revealed to be 52%, I was feeling like, well, that's not very good. Now, if that uh, little hit piece, truthful though it was, uh, were to have come out two weeks earlier, I suspect it would have been decisive. I suspect we may have had a different runoff. But, as they say, timing is everything, and it did its job. The truth won out. And I got to be honest, I would have preferred to beat them straight up if that's what needed to happen, and in my humble opinion, it did. But sometimes truth rears its ugly head in there. That would be Congressional District 3. Unfortunately, we took a bludgeoning for governor and lieutenant governor. The other contested races that were statewide, uh, largely no surprises. People pretty much coasted to a victory. Again, Statewide races are extremely tough, and my heart goes out to the folks in the Huffines campaign and even the Miller campaign. I mean, you guys fought the good fight, but boy, we just did not show up. Or maybe something else is going on. But for the purposes of this discussion, we're just going to assume the Patriots stayed home. They were content with King Abbott. And Lieutenant Dan, and this is where we're going to go. The other alternative is, is there was a whole lot of Democrats voting in the Republican primary. But I digress. Circling back, if I may steal back that term, closer to home, the House District races in 70 are going to give us a runoff. Um, 
by a conservative versus a municipal moderate, I guess would be a good way to put it. Uh, my own HD 61, uh, it's a little bit more dicier situation. I'm going to do a solid to all parties involved and just say, we're going to host a runoff debate for HD 61. It's going to happen April 9th. And after that, hopefully it'll be clear for those of you that are undecided where to go and who to support. And I highly encourage you to show up to that debate. Details will emerge in a few more weeks. In addition to that, we have a runoff for the constable's race in Precinct 1. Uh, kudos to uh, Chris Trevino and Matt as they uh, got the uh, top two spots in the runoff. And we'll see what Rick and Kobe do and we'll uh, uh, see how that plays out. It should be very interesting and we're going to be hosting their debate as well. Runoff debate should be interesting. Those two are going to happen potentially on Saturday, which should be April 9th. And I'm working to get a debate lined out for HD 70 and the county clerk race that runoff. Uh, I'm trying to partner up with some of the folks down in Plano since that's where HD 70 is located and the clerk's race will uh, help balance out the uh, ticket. If you will, Um, should be fun. Looking forward to it. And as always, I always strive to treat everybody fair, ask tough questions, and hopefully they give us good answers. I do that for you as voters to be educated so that you can make the informed, wise decisions. I take my time on my podcast very seriously in the sense that when I advertise events, (coughs) I want everybody to be fairly and objectively treated. However, when I'm on my own show, I'm a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more fun, a little bit more open-ended about it. But as a courtesy to all the candidates involved, I am going to throttle back on that. And I'm actually looking and partnering with a couple of people to help uh, moderate, particularly in the county clerk's race, because I wasn't exactly not biased in that one. Uh, The other races, I, I... stayed pretty uh pretty much out of just passing along information and i think i will be a very good objective moderator but again i'm looking perhaps to pick up another one or two people to help me moderate so that we can not have any complaints from either uh representatives want to always be objective and fair that being said I think I've covered all the races of note. I will congratulate Grayson County in booting their drunken county judge. Congratulations, folks. Unfortunately, Shelley Wuther could just not beat Reggie Smith. And I'm not quite sure how in the world that happened. But it wasn't really an open race. And Reggie's been there a while. And apparently everybody's content with just mediocre. And while we're on the subject of just mediocre, I couldn't help but notice that there were several other state reps that felt obligated to not show up in their home counties and represent their home counties on election day, but went up to Grayson County to 
support Reggie Smith. Now, these individuals from Callan County know who they are, and suffice it to say, I myself am just a little disappointed in you two. I really expected better. But if that's what you think was best, then I'll be sure that all of your voters know that you're more concerned about your friend in the other counties than you are about your constituents in your own county. And that's not a threat. That's just what you told us. And I'll make sure that that gets passed along when the opportunity presents itself. Must be nice to wrap up your own races and go stick your neck out for somebody else when you couldn't help anybody else in your home county. Just my two cents on that matter. No, I'm not a little bitter about it or anything like that. But we're friends. Pardon me while I deal with my allergies. I'll be right back. Now that I'm back, I'm going to take a quick sip of my June shine here. Interesting flavor called Midnight Painkiller. I assume it's based off the adult beverage with that name. But I am a sucker for coconut pineapple. Throw a little orange and nutmeg in and it gets even more interesting. So as I was saying, also want to do a special shout out. There are four people that made the events that have occurred in Congressional District 3 happen. The first, apologize for that brief interlude. Sometimes life gets in the way. In this case, it was laundry. So listen, where I was going with that is, that would be a Jeremy Ivanowski. My friend, he was a great live wire and lots of fun to watch him do his thing. Uh, Dr. Ricky Williams, great guy. Glad to get to meet him. Hopefully he'll be around for a while and do some other things. Uh, Susan Harp really did a nice job presentation and uh, performance. I mean, she came from nowhere to come in third and a solid third place. And... Then, of course, there's our old faithful, former judge, Keith Self, soon to be Congressman Keith Self. Very fortunate that uh, we have him, and honestly, that we had the rest of them willing to run, stick their neck out, go all in. It's a challenge going after an incumbent. Now, take a moment for special recognition for the other family in Collin County, that would be the Paxtons. So Angela, of course, easily dismissed and disposed of her challenger in SD8, which she now has two extra counties that help her uh, keep it nice and red. And her husband, uh, Ken Paxton, just by himself has well over 40%, doubled his nearest competitor, which strangely and frighteningly enough, in this case, was George P. How in the world did we get to this? But I have confidence that now that the primary is over and we get into the runoff, that the uh, wiser, cooler heads will prevail and we will send Mr. Paxton back to doing what he does best, getting the feds off our case. And perhaps if we're really fortunate, next term, we can pass a law 
similar to what they have in Missouri. And that's already going before the courts, and I'd sure like to get uh, R.A.G. Paxton on that, being that he's batting about 90% against the uh, Biden administration. Yeehaw. Okay, so uh, I've covered all the big elections that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, I want to be congratulatory to those that won, but I also want to congratulate those that ran and didn't win. It takes a lot of time, a lot of effort, and quite frankly, money to run in those races. Well, I got to say, with all the interruptions I'm having tonight, I'm not even quite sure where I left off anymore. But as we're transitioning out of this, let me just say it was a pleasure getting to interview and meet so many of the candidates. A couple more that are worthy of note would be Aaron Sorrells, uh, Tracy Bradford. Um, I didn't actually get to meet Chad Prather, but I really enjoyed listening to him answer some questions multiple times. And, of course, Alan West. Um, none of this is possible if people aren't willing to put their neck on the line, put the skin in the game, and do the work. And you, you don't always win, but if you do the work, you show the world that you can make a difference. And that's the way we have to live. That's the way we have to think. We are a representative democracy and if we don't show up, if we don't seek to get good people to represent ourselves, we're going to be represented by people that aren't concerned with what we want and what we think. And that is always the danger, right? Tyranny is just a vote away. And the people that we elect and don't bother to defend our liberty, they don't protect us from tyranny, they are the problem. Yet we keep reelecting them. Over and over and over again. So I'm stuck with the quandaries. How do we do this? How do we fix this? How do we make a difference? Well, I'm here to tell you. I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing. I'm going to bring other people along for the ride. We're going to do what we can to improve and educate the voters in the area. Now, I got to say, I'm... I know plenty of people that I disagree with politically. I actually have very little problem with disagreeing with people politically. I'm even willing to support on occasion people that I disagree with politically, so long as I believe that they are honest, upright, and straightforward. I mean, I deal with people that are classified moderates all the time, and if they're honest about it and they just say this is what I think, I mean, I can deal with that. That's not necessarily a deal breaker. Now, there's a couple deal breaker issues that some moderates hold, but depending on the situation, maybe you work past it. If the situation's dire enough, well, then, no, you stand on it. And you say, I'm sorry, I can't do this. And you force the issue if that's what, if that's what you feel led to do. But we got to stand for something. If we don't, we're going to fall for anything. So, the reality is, going forward, we have our runoffs. Um, unfortunately, we didn't get the two big ones I was hoping for, but we have the runoffs, including the AG's race, and um, feeling pretty confident about that one. But if you aren't paying attention, why not? I, you know, I, I 
have a tagline often where I say, you may not care about politics, but politics cares about you. And if you don't believe me, just try and not pay your taxes. Just try and ignore a law. Just try and live your life without having somebody step inside and try and make you do otherwise. I mean, it's to the point now you can't do things in your house without getting permission from the city you live in. Um, that's a problem. It's a real big problem. Because if you're not able to own your own home and you're going to continue to rent it, you're really never ever going to have anything that's your own. Now I know our friends in the Great Reset are all about that, right? And uh, they're going to sell us on the idea that you can be happy without owning anything, with nothing to call your own. But I'm here to tell you, That's not what I want. That's not what I think the general public in the United States, particularly Texas, want. However, when I see the outcomes that we see, I can't help but wonder if they weren't successful. If they didn't successfully destroy that which made the United States and especially Texas special. And that's very disappointing. That's disturbing. But again, I say, we keep working. You never say die, and you move forward, and you take every next step that you need to take in order to get closer to your objective. The progressives didn't get to this point overnight. They didn't get there in one giant leap. It was bit by bit by bit. And perhaps in this case, we should learn from them. Perhaps in this case, we should understand that We may only have one school board seat or no school board seats, but each election that comes up, each election that we put a different person in, we may go from one to three. We may go from zero to one or two. Same thing with a city council. Now, in a basically one-party state, everybody claims to be something that maybe they're not. But the proof's in the pudding. The proof is in what they do. By their fruit, you will know them. And what I'm here to suggest to you is don't just pay attention to what people say. Look at what they do. Look at what the outcome of their policies are. Now, I'm all for a debate. I'm all for questioning things. I'm all for consideration that you may not know everything but it's very frustrating to deal with people to think they always have the answer and that they're always right and they're not willing to listen to somebody else that's very frustrating that's a challenging and honestly that's not what makes a good leader a leader needs to weigh their options understand all the options and then make a decision and be willing to stand by it I live my life by, I try not to act out, you know, emotionally on an issue. I I try and pause and reflect on it. I, I do my best to understand the issue and recognize that there's maybe more than one side to it. But once I make a decision, once I'm certain of it, I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it to the mattresses, if you will, and I'm going to fight for it. Now, if at some point in the future somebody proves me wrong or shows me that I had some important detail missing or something should change, I'm going to be willing to reevaluate it. 
But the question is, are we, are you, as the American public, willing to do that? Some things really changed in the last two years. Did you notice? Did you pay attention to it? What are you willing to do about it? We're being distracted by things called CRT. We're being distracted by all sorts of other issues. Meanwhile, they're quietly moving us precipitously close to flat-out socialism. Socialism, Marxism, doesn't matter what they call it. When they take away the last remnant of liberty, what's left? Now, don't get me wrong. Uh, critical race theory uh, is derived from Marxist theories, right? Uh, we all understand that. But the problem isn't critical race theory per se. It's it's the application, right? The theory is something that you can talk about and understand, but it's the application. They are implementing it as a praxis. And if you don't know what that is, but basically it's just a fancy word for practice or an action Everything they do is in action. So when they talk about Marxism, they're not teaching an issue. They're not looking at a a thought process. They're doing it. They're demonstrating. They're pushing it through by behavior. They're training the behavior of the children. And we have allowed this and we have tolerated this for decades. And we wonder how it is that Texas is turning blue. Now, I got to be honest. Contrary to what we hear about, well, the people coming here from California are majority Republican. They're majority red. They're fleeing California. It's so terrible. Okay, right. Maybe. Maybe. But the kids they're bringing aren't. And the young people clearly aren't. All these people that work at the tech companies, they don't care. They just want to pay a little less in tax, but they're selling us out. They're they're eating away the soul of America. In Texas, we had something special. We still have it, but we're watering it down. We're frittering it away because we don't invest wisely. The children, the next generation, if your grandparent, your grandchildren, the following generation, if you will, What is your investment in them? Do you just put them in the daycare that we call public schools? Or do you invest in them? Now, I know some parents, they pay for high-dollar private schools. But when the high-dollar private schools are using the same curriculum from the same people as that government school, what's really the difference? Oh, sure, they may have a chapel or they may be allowed to recite the Lord's Prayer. But if they're then taught, well, the Bible's not real. And human life doesn't really have any value. Um, And all values are subjective. I mean, realistically, what good is that? Now, that doesn't happen everywhere, obviously. But if you really care about the generation to follow you, what are you willing to sacrifice? Now, I sacrificed a whole lot when my children were young. I made the best choice I knew to make at the time. And I... Revise that as they got older. I mean, it became clear that they had their heads on straight and they were ready to take on the secular world, but they were going to take it on while they still lived at home and while their parents, my wife and I, could have some influence and counterbalance that which they were being taught or learned. 
But do you really think your average five-year-old is up to that task? Do you really think your average eight-year-old is going to be a missionary to their friends? Come on, let's be real. We're supposed to train them up. How can you do that if you're sending them away for 40 hours a week? To have somebody else train them up in a way that's not on par with what you would want from them. Now, some of us have to accept it because of the circumstances we're in. I get it. It's understandable. But when we continue to do this, how is that any different than what we've done by our representatives? We just accept it because that's what's there. That's what's easy. It doesn't require a lot of effort. How is it that we can get upset at our children for not bothering to learn proper math or proper science when we don't take the 10 minutes to research candidates? When we won't take the five minutes to go to our truck and drive to a voting booth? There are north of 30 million people in Texas. I'm going to just guess that 15 million of them are voters or a voting age. And just for argument's sake, let's say 10 million of them are eligible to really vote in Texas. And let's say that 60% of them are registered Republicans. That's 6 million voters. Where were they? Why couldn't they bother to just show up to the polls? Why, why did they have zero interest in the primaries? Do they not understand that the way the voting system works is, and again, if you'll pardon me, I, I'm going to do my best to use a NFL analogy. So the Republicans might be the NFC and the Democrats might be the AFC. And we'll just exclude the Patriots because we all know the Patriots kicked everybody's butt for the last decade. But if we've got the AFC and the NFC and the Republican primary is the NFC championship game and the Democrat primary is the AFC championship game. And it's only when we get to the general election do we get the Super Bowl. Oh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say that. The big game. Whatever. If you always go with, and I'm going to throw it back to my day and age, right? If, if you always assume the 49ers are going to win because the 49ers were good last year and you're just going to go ahead and root for the 49ers, but then along comes, I don't know, the Cowboys or the Packers and they just happen to offset them. And because you just think, well, the 49ers always win, we want to keep them anyway, so we're going to vote for them over the Cowboys or the Packers, then that's your choice. But you're not necessarily getting the best person, the, the best team. Maybe some fluke play happens where a catch wasn't a catch or somebody was in bounds and they were really out of bounds or vice versa. And then you get that candidate, right? See, if you're a good NFC team family, you're going to vote for or root for the NFC team no matter what, which is what your Republican representative is. Likewise, if you're the AFC family and, you know, you get... Beto this time, you're going to be excited and go vote for Beto because he's the representative of the AFC in that championship game. And he won and now he's going on to the big game. And your answer was, well, you know, Habit was good four years ago. We'll try him again. Well, was he good last year? Was he good in the year before? Or maybe the younger team with the better quarterback was a better choice. Maybe a guy that actually cares about Liberty was a better choice. 
But because you were afraid, you chose somebody else. And now you may win. You might. But you didn't get the best player on the field. You didn't get the best team to show up. And that's what we're stuck with. And we continue to accept subpar results. And then our children get subpar educations. And they grow up expecting nothing better than what they have always had. And because we settle, they settle. And the next generation settles. And then the next thing you know, we're living some dystopian future that we all read about in the 80s. And said, that'll never happen here. So, I guess this is just about wrapping up my after-election report. I sincerely hope that the runoffs are productive and have good turnout and we actually get representation that we deserve. But unfortunately, I think we're going to get the reputation we deserve. Because our people don't show up, our people don't care, and they just don't want to put in the effort. They want to just be able to press play and get it right away. And that's just not the way the world works. In the coming months, we're going to start rolling things out with Constitutional Texans. We're going to start doing additional things through my podcast, through um, different avenues that come about. But know this, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care if you're, well, I, let's put it this way. I will engage and I will treat you with respect no matter what side of the aisle you're on or no matter what your political affiliation is. But what I want when we're having a conversation is for you to be able to articulate why you think what you think and why you believe what you believe. If you're willing to do that, we can have a great conversation and stay very respectful. As a matter of fact, I believe one of the most important things that we can do that everybody seems to forget is you can be in disagreement without being disagreeable. It doesn't have to do, it doesn't have to devolve into calling each other names and throwing mud at each other. You should be able to have a policy or a political discussion and sound like adults. Somewhat well-educated, but well-informed nonetheless. That is my goal. That is what my desire is. And I invite you all to come along on this journey as we seek to do better the next election cycle. With that, my friends, this was the election wrap-up of episode 192. And... Before the allergies that I have today get the best of me, I will see you on the other side.